friends, this is episode 51 of Not Another Teen Wolf podcast discussing the episode Illuminated, which is season 3, 16 of our favourite show, Teen Wolf. Uh, this was technically meant to be episode 50 of this show, of this episode. We were planning for this to be our 50th episode recording, but then we had an emergency uh, live stream on the weekend because ByteCon wanted to use us to announce... Kiahu to their lineup of guests, which is happening in April. So that was fun. And that episode's now out as an audio podcast as well, so it's technically titled Episode 50. But we wanted to get our good friend Courtney on as the special guest for our 50th episode. Courtney's one of our regular team, obviously, even if she doesn't always come on the show. Um, So she's our guest of the week today. Hello. Hi, guys. And so we are sort of semi-treating this episode or calling it uh, 52.0, even though it will probably be titled 51 on iTunes. Karen is very determined that this is episode (laughs) 52.0. Well, I planned out this whole thing with Courtney, to be honest, our 50th, because I thought it was perfect. And it was, you know, Derek kind of coming back into the fold of the group and it was going to be like flawless and everything. Illuminated and then party and yeah. (laughs) Last week when we were saying, oh, we might do something special for the 50th, the live stream was not planned at that point. It was not It was not a hilarious, subtle joke about that that we knew about. That was not actually planned at that point. Uh, so, yeah. But here we are, anyway, and we shall make do with what we have, and I'm sure it will be fantastic because it was a great episode. Do we want to start off with the hilarious quotes from from people, or meaningful quotes, or whatever quotes people have picked this week? Mine yeah, is, sure. I do have one, by the way. I just wrote it on my oh, phone okay. and I haven't... <laughs> Why don't you go first, then? I mean, it's it, it, mine is from towards the end of the episode, and I, I get a bit weird when they're not vaguely in chronological order. <laughs> but, uh, well, then who should go first? Me? No. Um, either of you, because yours are both sort of from the beginning, and they're both a bit different from each other. Karen, you go ahead. Okay, this will be completely in chronological order, just for Natalie. <laughs> um, mine is from Styles, and it's when it's after Coach is going through the hallways with his uh, loudspeaker and yelling at everybody, and he says something. I can't even repeat it because it was atrocious. But Styles says, "That was a triple negative. Very impressive, Coach." And I just, I just love when yeah, pick up on that kind of stuff. And that style said it was just adorable and funny and wonderful. So it made me happy. Mine, um, as much as I'm really struggling with the twins existence right now, um, Mm. Ethan kind of summed up the entire show in one statement when he said, Scott doesn't care about power. He cares about people. And that was one of my favorite things. Yeah. I that line. I almost picked that one. I have it written down in full in, in my things. Yeah, because he's like, he finishes it up with being like, you want to be a wolf in his pack, try being a human in high school. And yeah, Ethan is definitely the more empathetic twin, I think. It's like, very clear. <laughs> if you can, yeah, if you could call it that. But yeah. uh, or something. But, uh, but yeah, he's definitely uh, a bit more sensitive to that kind of thing. And Aiden is a bit more brute force uh, and idiocy. But I will actually mention that later because there was a bit later in the episode where I was like, really? About something Aiden did. I mean, many things. I'm like, really? But but I, I really liked that quote and I almost wanted to use it. But I saw that Courtney had used it. So I went for a funny one as well, which is towards the end of the episode. This is actually what I was mentioning about Aiden when, um, you know, earlier Lydia had been like, I don't. You know, as much as, you know, oh, bad boy thing might be appealing. You are a bad guy. I, I, I 
cannot be around this. I, I don't approve of you and and I think that what you've done is really wrong. And then later at the party at the loft, he comes up to her being like, and she's kind of, I don't remember exactly what she says, but she's like, you still evil. And he's like, but I helped organize all this. And it's like, first of all, I'm like, are those like, are they meant to like measure out on the scales? You helped <laughs> kill Boyd, but you helped organize a blacklight party like those that that's meant to like cancel that out. Is that what you're trying to imply here? But yeah, yeah. where he died, by the way. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I just need to think about to that. Boyd. Um, yeah. Um, I know he would have really enjoyed that party. Like it just seems oh, like God. his thing, like, you know, exactly what he would have loved. <laughs> um, I can't. Sorry. But my actual quote was when, her response to that where she kind of looks at him scathing saying if I wanted to go to a rave I'd get in a time machine and go back to the 90s which I felt was very true as fun as a blacklight party might be you don't really see it that often do you and it's uh the idea of raves very 90s which I feel like is like around the time that most of the people who watched Teen Wolf were actually born (laughs) uh, as opposed to remembering it being a thing but yeah I found it very, very apropos, especially since we've been making jokes for weeks and weeks about this blacklight party and why it's even a thing. <laughs> so, yes, that was mine. Okay. That was, yeah, that was good. I, I love the blacklight party, even though it was kind of crazy, but it was cool to see all the paint and stuff. Mm. Uh, but jumping right into the discussion, uh, the first thing on our list is the opening credits got a little bit of a facelift this time. It was... Uh, by the Bloody Beetroots, who also was the DJ in the rave scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is called the Alpha Remix. What did you guys think of this slightly different intro to the episode? I got really confused. Like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, has the whole season been like this and I just haven't I noticed? Just and then I, exactly. I was like, have I just not been paying attention or something? But then I realized it was actually different because I'm I was like, wait, is this new? Have I just not noticed this? Congratulations, Teen Wolf. Mission accomplished. I'm losing my mind because I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I noticed like... right away, actually. I was like, wait, what is going on? This isn't normal. And then it took me a little <laughs> bit to figure out that, oh, yeah, they probably changed it because of the blacklight party. Um, it was super dubstepy, and Teen Wolf likes their dubstep. I mean, you know, <laughs> appropriate. That's true. I'm not sure if I, I watched it every it. week, but it was a bit it was a bit full on, but we'll see. Would you like it every week, Karen? Probably not every week, because I think that would take away from it. And I really do like the regular opening credits, but I thought this was kind of a good uh song to go with the theme of the episode. I feel like they should do like a different one every week of like a different style of music, like a country hoedown and like oh my uh, God. No, no. An indie rock, no. like, uh, oh, no. No, and like a pop, you know, like, one one week they could rap. I don't know how they would rap the Teen Wolf credits, but <laughs> they could. Somebody's going to beatbox it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah beatbox yeah. it. Yeah. That would be so cool. Oh, Karen. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah. so... The next kind of not important thing, but something we're going to talk about anyway, is the fact that it's Halloween. This was our Halloween episode, and it's January. Did this bother anybody else? I mean, I loved it, but I just feel really weird, like, watching a Halloween episode in January. I like that they're purposely trying to follow the timeline on the show and not really caring about when it airs, as opposed to, like, doing it out of season, because... 
The Glee fandom was so unbelievably stressed this year when there was all this footage coming out of like them filming a Glee Christmas episode and everyone's like, dude, it's it's you're doing two like two seasons over one school year. You've already had a, a Christmas episode in this. Are, are you going to ignore all the canon and just make it Christmas again? Like this isn't The Simpsons where they don't age every year, you know, like <laughs> – and then it, it did turn out to have, like, a cause, like, a, a reason. But it was so stressful. And so I just kind of like that Teen Wolf just follows its own timeline very precisely, regardless of when the episodes are airing in real time, if you know what I mean. I'm sure there are a few really good timelines around. But given that the first two <laughs> seasons were meant to be, like, over the same semester of school, this has got to be only in, you know... We've cut, so this is the beginning of their sophomore year and – oh, no, no, beginning of their junior year, sorry. So the Halloween of their junior year. So it's only got to be about still 2012 for them, not 2014. Like there are really precise timelines of Teen Wolf and I, I do like that they pay very careful attention to that, I guess. I, about Halloween, was confused about the children stomping pumpkins. Like why would you do that? That's like really destructive and weird. Like why do children yep. get something out of being destructive? I don't understand that. But like – Heathens. Yeah, I don't get yeah. that, so whatever. It's a thing that happens quite frequently, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Nasty. Hey, vandalism. Not, <laughs> not yet. So the first really important thing in this episode was uh, the fact that we come in right after Isaac gets attacked by the masked figures. And they um, wake him up. Chris has to kind of start punching him in the face so that he I'm sure he that can... was such a hardship for Chris. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially after what just happened between him and Allison. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get him to turn so he can heal and because he was ice cold. And he basically explains that there were five figures and they had glowing eyes like fireflies. So are we meant to think that these are the figures that we saw come out of the nematon stump a couple of episodes ago and if so why are there five when they made such a big deal of there being three i don't know it's meant to be the same exactly and then do we know if it was three for sure well it's like three but maybe like the two angle yeah yeah Yeah, there was circled around shy shy it's the shy demons people (laughs) made it so bashful people (laughs) god People made a big deal of there being three, but I don't think the show made a big deal of there being three. So we'll see. And then Chris thinks they're after him, which would mean a pretty big indication that he's obviously encountered them before in some way, especially since he has a broken one of their masks in a special treasure test, which he's carried around from house to house. Um, do we think it's like he fought one and he has this to do research on it like a million years ago, or he used to be one of them or like what, like, what happened? Uh, it, I mean, it definitely, I'm curious to know why this means he's, like, what has he been up to? There's a lot of, there's been jokes in in the fandom going around that it's funny how he's there. He shows up whenever there's a werewolf trying to initiate sexy times with his daughter in his home, <laughs> but not when Allison is hallucinating and about to kill one. Yeah. So, like, he's what He's out gives... a lot, isn't he? Like, he's not there much. No, and then carrying the Jim Carrey movie prop around in the box, I don't understand either. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. See, I have a hard time thinking that he was one of them, just because from what we've seen so far, these guys can't be killed. They're not exactly, like, like corporeal. 
I have maybe. a feeling maybe he's just fought them before. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, I have some theories about the whole Chris situation towards the end. I mean, we'll see. But it kind of gets a bit, a bit spoilery for the rest of the season, at least. Um, <laughs> once again, like Kira hitting her de- head on the desk in the first episode, my favourite humorous moment from this episode was not a quote. It was when Styles was doing those finger guns at, at Agent McCall and, like, his dad laughed <laughs> behind his head. Oh, my God, scene. it was the best. I just, um, they're, they're terrible together, him and his dad, sometimes, but it's amazing, so... So, yeah. I just, I really love that the sheriff, like, I mean, this is serious business. It really is. And I think if it was anybody else drilling styles other than Agent McCall, he would have been, like, super serious about the whole thing. But he just hates that dude so much that he's like, <laughs> I-, I can't help it. Like, Styles is being so sassy to him right now, and he just cannot hold it together. Yeah. I just love. He's like, I, that's my son. I love a well-used finger gun. It's uh, I find it hysterical. I mean, was anyone else shocked to see that that their immediate assumption, like that, was that someone had left a clue for Barrow, not that he had written it himself? Like, I know that over the week, since there's been a lot of theorizing about what's been going on, people have, you know, come to conclusions that someone else wrote the message, and you know, come to the correct conclusion about what it ended up being as well. Uh, because of a variety of sort of clues and meta. But I didn't know the show knew that, if you know what I mean. We were very much assuming last week that Barrow wrote that message because he was a Bond villain giving a clue to what he'd done. And I thought the show would be like, why did he write her name on the board, as opposed to immediately jumping to who left him a clue. I was quite surprised about that. I don't know if anyone else was, but I really was. I mean, when we were talking about it last week, we were kind of like, why would Barrow do that? That doesn't really make sense. So this version of it makes a lot more sense. And I was really relieved. And so was Caitlin, who was our guest last week. We were yeah. talking on Twitter and she's like, this makes so much more sense now. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree, though. Like, how does the show necessarily like not the show, but how does McCall necessarily know that? Barrow didn't write that, that somebody else did. Like, where does he get the evidence for that? Yeah, that was kind of what I was curious about, because I thought their first assumption would be he wrote it and they'd have to work out through a long process that someone else did. But they're like, we're going into this episode and their first assumption is that someone left it as a clue. Maybe it's just like cutting out some like time that's like a story that they don't want to go through because we do sort of find out the solution to that in a way this episode. So I don't know, but I actually... It makes total sense, but it's not what I was expecting to happen in the episode, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it's just a lot more logical, I guess, for McCall to assume that Barrow wouldn't have written that so that he could get caught, that somebody else had written it for him. So I guess within the confines of the show, Mm. that does make a lot more sense. I do have a small theory, but it would be border spoilers for the very last five minutes of the episode. Do you want to talk about it at the end? Or, I mean, yeah. it's not like it's not like anyone listening to this podcast well, has seen the basically, episode. But. What if they realized a key had been missing for more than a, a few days to get into yeah. the supply closet? Yeah, he was, was like, he was like, was he was locked out. in the supply closet. Yeah, how did they know he was in the chemical closet? Like, so, I, I yeah. don't know. Well, there was blood on the floor. Oh, yeah, from when he stapled himself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Casually throwing that in there. Um, yeah, 
I don't know. <sighs> Interesting. Well, the, so the school has no power, and yet the kids still go to class. This That's just it. doesn't. No, like you can't flush toilets no. if you don't have power. <laughs> you can flush. Like, yes, you can, Karen. You can. To- yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You, you toilets can. are not on electricity, at least not in my house. <laughs> well, not mine cups? either. Where do well, you live? In the country? <laughs> Maybe they have electrically run pumps. I don't know in some places, but yeah. no. Mine's just plumbing. We have if a power if the power goes out, we still have water and the the water already in the toilet kind of works. But yeah, there's a lot of things you can't do. Like the refrigeration of all the food and there would be a lot of stuff that was unsafe, and I just, I just found it very strange. I mean, it is California, and apparently there's, like, lots of big windows and stuff to let in light, so... And they still use chalkboards instead of, like, computers in the school, so, like... Not that my school used a lot of computers, but I went to school, like, ten years ago. I don't know what normal schools have now. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like... Um, I was that's a question I had. I'm like, would that happen in your school? Like, if the, if there was a total power outage, would you still be made to go to school? Yeah, no, we wouldn't have went. Yeah, I would have been yeah, like, same here. did you ever have a blackout while at school in the middle of the day? I don't think so. Yeah, no, nothing like that for us either. And usually they had backup generators. I feel like we might have. I, I can't remember. I feel like if anything like that ever happened, like there was a problem. That we were just like made to sit in the classroom we were in until the problem was solved, if you know what I mean. Like maybe not hours or anything like that. I just, but yeah, it was very strange that they, uh, that they still had to go to school for that. And are we flat out assuming, by the way, that Barrow is dead? Like they're not trying very hard to like find him or anything like that. They're trying to, because last week you said that the show said that Barrow was dead, like on the on the after show, and now Agent right. Rebels being like. Serial killer on the loose is dangerous. Serial killer being controlled by someone else is even worse. So is Barrow out on the loose? Is this, like, they're allowed to go back to school even though Barrow's out on the loose and there's a power outage? Like, is that a thing? I don't know because, honestly, I think we're meant to assume that he is dead and McCall could still be worried about whoever is controlling Barrow, not necessarily Barrow anymore. But I also find it kind of strange that they didn't, like, bring in his body or didn't mention anything about him being dead specifically. That's only information that we got from Wolf Watch. Mm. And I kind of don't want Barrow to be dead because he was super creepy and really good at what he did. And, and I thought he added a whole different kind of element to the show. So yeah, I, I don't, don't know. Think, I don't think he is. And I mean, now I'm really confused about the impression that they're trying to, to give about whether it's, he's meant to be dead or not, but we'll see, I guess. Uh, all right. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, we all sound yeah. so enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, we're all really not like that great today in terms of like Courtney like has had like been like snowed in and like trapped and in Louisiana guys. And <laughs> what did it take you eight hours to drive five miles or five hours to drive eight miles or something the other day? Like uh, Friday night, it took me five hours to go four miles. That's not a thing. Oh it's not I a only, thing. I only spent four hours at work. And what you so. were like, oh, we have to go home now. And then, like, what were there? Was it just like traffic because of the weather, or like they closed down the major roads and then shut down one of the bridges? That was my only between me and home, and just to sand it down because the bridge was icy. 
So while they closed it down for an hour, everybody was on that one road trying to, to get home. Cool. So it was awesome. And Good then times. Karen's sick and yeah. has been sick for several days. I'm not sick, but I am recovering from sedation from planned medical treatment in hospital yesterday. And, like, I feel like my arms are about to fall off. So <laughs> we're all going really well. So oh, I hope you enjoyed gosh. this episode because we're putting blood, sweat, and tears into it. Maybe it's a good thing it wasn't episode 50 because, oh, wow, that would be a letdown. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway. So the major plot point of this episode was basically Danny wanted a black light Halloween party, but the power's out and the venue he had booked couldn't do it for him anymore. And so Ethan wants to help him, but Danny's like, nowhere else is going to have power. What's the point? He just kind of gives up on the idea. And Aiden comes in and he doesn't quite understand why Ethan wants to help Danny. And I, we kind of discussed this already, like what they said back and forth to each other and how Ethan is like a lot better person than Aiden is at this point. But my question is, do you think that Ethan is only doing this because that's what Scott would want? Or do you actually think he really does want to help no, Danny too? Here's what mm-hmm. I think, or at least, because I was going to ask a similar question. Here's what I think or what I want to think. I think that Ethan is a relatively decent person and he knows his brother is a bag of dicks. And <laughs> and so he basically does – he's doing what he's genuinely feeling in regards to Danny, but then he spins it to Aiden in a way that is like getting what Aiden wants or that, or that it has a benefit, you know what I mean, that he's saying to – Aiden, you know, you don't get it. Like, Scott doesn't want you for being a werewolf. He wants you for being a decent person, so be a freaking decent person. Um, yes. I think Ethan wants to be a decent person as well. I think he was very scathing in the way that he said that to Aiden, and I think that I might be totally wrong. Like, he might be totally – they might just both, both be equally manipulative, and Ethan knows how to play people better, whereas Aiden is, like, brute force. But I don't know. I think that he – is trying to relate it to his brother in the only way that his brother will respond well. You know, because we see Ethan naturally be much better to people, like the way that he has been with Danny, even compared to the way Aiden has been with Lydia, like when he came up and he's like, hey, I tried to do a nice thing, and, and Lydia's like, no. And then <laughs> Aiden's immediate response is like, I'm angry and wolfing out. Like he has no actual, he doesn't know how to treat people, and when he tries to do it well, he kind of fails. So... I think Ethan is naturally quite nice, but I might be totally misled. I don't know. Am I wrong? What do you guys think? That was exactly my impression, too, was that Ethan really wanted to help, but the only way that he could kind of get Aiden to understand was to spin it to kind of get him to see the positive side in terms of getting into Scott's pack. Yeah, and I mean, just the way he said it, he's like, you still don't get it, do you? You don't get what this is about. Like, he clearly thinks... Aiden is a bit of a moron, so yeah. Which fair I don't enough. know. I think I'm. I think I'm a little torn on this. I think. I think. Yeah, you're right. Ethan is a little bit on the better side, but ultimately, I think they both know that they need a pack. Yeah, but I don't think that's why he was doing. I don't know. Maybe I'm deluded. I, or maybe they feel like they want a pack for a different reason. If you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. if it is, you know, a, a Ethan wants it because he genuinely wants to be around these people and and be normal and and have some sort of chance at 
a good life, whereas Aiden wants it because he's scared of dying, like from other people. Like he wants the he wants the wolf side of it, and mm-hmm. and Ethan wants the person side of it. If you know what I mean. But I'm again, I might be totally misguided and deluding myself. So we'll see. Hopefully, we find out. Yeah. <clears throat> so the next scene, we see Lydia's mom substituting for Harris's class, and first of all. This just sent, like, bad vibes my way because all the teachers in Beacon Hills die eventually. And I'm just kind of scared for her right now. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they can't kill that many more people. Like, I mean, they probably Mm. can. But, like, they can't kill all... (laughs) Like I said before, they can't kill all the families of all of the teenagers because then they end up with, like, a bunch of orphans who are, like, wards of the state and who, like, can't just go to the school anymore. So they did do that to Isaac, and, like, apparently it's just fine that he, like, lives with Scott now. So, I don't know. <laughs> See, well, I wasn't too scared when I first saw it. I I, I liked the interaction between yeah, them. Yeah, so did I. I thought it was funny. I think at the beginning of season three you had where Liddy was like, I'm just screaming my head off, but no one hears me, you know, whatever. And I have a feeling after what happened with the Duroc, her and her mom have gotten a lot closer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I liked the interaction between them last night yeah I did as well I thought that was I thought it was cool and and that that, yeah. that like you know on on one hand you know you could take Lydia's sort of what she said to her mom as like super bitchy and mean and then you kind of saw the look they gave each other and it's like clearly just the way like she raised Lydia she made mm-hmm. Lydia what she is they clearly have the same humor and it's like funny I don't know I liked it but yeah allegedly they said she was teaching biology uh when you know and Lydia, you know, Aiden says, why is your mum teaching biology? And Lydia says, because Mr. Harris is dead or a human sacrifice or, you know. And people are sort of um, noticing that Mr. Harris was most uh, generally teaching chemistry and that not only was it, uh, you know, this class labelled biology, Lydia was using a physics book. Now, this (laughs) didn't mean all that much to me because I'm Mm. kind of in my school at least in my school, except in the very top grades, people just taught science. Like, and we had a science department. There weren't any, all of the teachers, if you know what I mean, like we had, say, you know, from grade seven to grade 10, because our schools aren't divided into middle and high school. It's, It's primary school, which is like elementary, but it's kindergarten to year six. And then grade seven to 12. Uh, is or like six years of of high school. That's how it runs in Australia. And basically from, say, grade 7 to 10, you just take science. It's not physics or chemistry or biology. It's like a different semester of each or different weeks of each. And the same teachers that teach those mixed science classes, you know, various ones of those will teach the senior-specific biology, specific chemistry, etc. So... I didn't find it weird that Harris could have possibly been teaching more than one science at the same school. I don't know if that's weird in America, if people really specialise, but it did not seem weird to me at all that he could be teaching science in the same school. The physics book was a bit, like, odd, and it could have just been, like, a prop department mistake. Like, oh, we need a science book. But tell me about the teacher situation for you guys, like, for American schools. Well, I can only speak for my school, obviously. I live in upstate New York, and this wouldn't happen in my school. Like, Mm -hmm. how we had it was there was one chemistry teacher, 
and she would teach different levels of chemistry for the different levels in high school. And then we had a biology teacher, we had an earth science teacher, we had a physics teacher, like all of them are separate. So for Harris to teach chemistry and biology wouldn't really make sense. Although I don't think that's like super unheard of. It does kind of you know, they go together. They are sciences. It's not like he's teaching English and biology or something. Um, but the physics book, yeah, like this whole thing just really stuck out to me. And I think what people are really getting at is, you know, all these inconsistencies, are these clues or are they actually mistakes? Well, do you remember that one time when Harris was taking like economics quiz and it was like he he gave them a quiz and he was coaches the economics teacher or like like coach and Harris yeah, yeah and, and everyone was like what and that never eventuated to anything and it was so I don't know if he was meant to be like subbing in and just like handing out a pre-written quiz but he was kind of acting like it was his class and then I mean we had some teachers that did teach like English and like history like we had we had a few like and my school was big it wasn't like oh we had four teachers like there was like you know, quite a lot, and, and some people did have more than one subject, but if they felt like it, but I don't know, it's... What about you, Courtney? Was Is yours completely different from mine? No, it was very similar, and I went to um, a small school in a, in a tiny town in Louisiana, and um, we had teachers that were separate, physics, um, biology, you know, everything was separate, so that's why it threw me off a little bit, because I'm not used to it, it being combined like that. So when you're in, like, ninth grade or something, you do different classes in you, – you have physics. Like, how many science classes do you have a week, or do you do, like, a different science each semester or something like that? We like, would have a different level each year, like ninth grade. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. It was, like, biology and then chemistry and then physics and – um. My senior, I can't remember if my senior year was you could take an extra or you didn't have to take another one. Uh, but yeah, that's how mine was. It was so each different each, subject each so year. So on your timetable, each week, the whole year, you had a physics lesson, a biology lesson, and a chemistry lesson. Like it wasn't like one term you did all physics and one term you did all biology. No, no, it was all of ninth grade. I had biology during my fifth period. Mm-hmm. And then in 10th grade all year, I had, you know, uh, chemistry for one period. Oh, so each year you did a different science. Yes, yes, yes. It's kind of weird. Okay, I'm a little bit confused, but all right. Um, (laughs) Moving on. Move on from that. Tell us about your science classes, people. Um, (laughs) We don't know if that was intentional or a big mistake or whatever. Hopefully Mrs. Martin, the biology slash chemistry slash physics teacher, doesn't die. Yes. Lydia, as, as we mentioned earlier, um, calls Aiden out on being a bad guy. Like, he sits down and even though they sort of already hooked, back, hooked up since he came back to school, she kind of reads him the riot act and basically was like, I helped save someone's life, and it felt really good. And now I look at you, and all I can think of is you, that you helped kill someone, that helped kill Boyd. And, you know, I just don't want to be a part of that. You're not just a bad boy. You're a bad guy, and I don't want to be around the bad guys like and yeah it was very true and and nice and good and we fantastic yeah i loved this scene i mean if you think back to season one lydia and how shallow she was and all she cared about was dating the best lacrosse player and now 
this is what she's like. It's incredible what they've done with her. And I mean, I think that a lot of the other characters have come a long way as well, especially the changes in Scott and everything. But I think that Lydia did a complete 180 and I just love the direction that she's going in. And I hope that, I mean, a lot of people don't like the twins and I completely understand that. And I don't really have you know, very strong feelings about them. I don't really care either way, but I do kind of hope that her thoughts on all of, you know, what's going on and how she feels about saving people's life positively influences Aiden and makes him want to be a better person. Yeah, hopefully. I can never really tell how much Aiden actually cares about Lydia, like, or if he thinks like that, you know, oh, he sees what Ethan's doing with Danny and how it's working and he's like, oh, I will do that with someone too and, like, whether it means anything at all or not. Again, towards the end of last season, I got more of an impression that it was more real and then we've come back in this season and it seems like a real backpedal with the twins. I don't know. I, I'm still a bit confused about that, but I guess, guess we'll see. So Kira kind of drifts off into, was she in the bathroom? Was she eating her lunch in the bathroom? I thought she I might have she been in the pool. Like it, well, the tiling looked very water-based. Yeah. Uh, like, am I, yeah, I, I thought that she might have been like, at the, like, it was a hallway or a swimming pool or a, it was. Locker like, rooms. Yeah, it somewhere. was a locker room. Well, that was just really sad. It made me super sad to see her there. But basically, Scott comes in, and she doesn't want to talk about what happened, but then she kind of backtracks, and she's like, take a picture of me with the flash on. And he does, and we see that there's a golden light around her. And this is why they have to get her phone back from Agent McCall, because, of course, Barrow took pictures of her and she doesn't want anybody else seeing that because questions will be asked okay but basically before we learned exactly what this golden light was and what shape it took what did you guys think it was well i have a slightly different issue in this situation um and i will get i didn't really think about what i thought it was because i kind of we kind of already knew if you know what i mean like we knew that she had something with electricity and i didn't really think about it further than that like in terms of like I thought that maybe electricity or like electrical currents in nature were like attracted to her in some Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. however I saw the picture that Scott took big freaking deal if people (laughs) saw those pictures on the camera they would just think there was something wrong with the camera it's not like this it's not like the werewolf pictures where it's like their eyes specifically I've seen pictures that look like that that are just due to like either really old Instagram film filters. In, yeah, like film in a film, like really old <laughs> film in a film camera. Obviously this was a phone or something being wrong with the light. And like, yeah, I, I would have been not that worried about, I mean, I know she's like freaking out about it, but I would have probably objectively been like, that doesn't look that weird. And I mean, it's, it's kind of strange, but I wouldn't have thought it was, Oh my God, that girl must be crazy. People are asking questions. It would have just been, you know, people, the police who know nothing about supernatural things are going to think, oh, my God, what's going on because of this? I would just think it was, like, something about the camera being screwed up in some way. Number two, why did McCall, like, care about taking the phone if he didn't, like, like, why was it evidence that needed to be confiscated if he didn't know about, like, the photos, like, already? Like, if you know what I mean? Like, Right, so if he knew about them already, wouldn't he have looked at them already? Yeah, like, this is the thing, and I'm like, is it just because he touched it? Do you need his fingerprints? I'm pretty sure you already have those. Like, I don't understand. Like, this, that seemed like a really, like, 
a re- like a plot like such a plot device like I cannot think of why they would have taken her phone with without knowing about the pictures just because it was there at the time like because he touched it like it's yeah not like, you wouldn't have needed it to like look yeah. up phone records or if anything was done on the phone that can all be done without the phone yeah, so I that's that's no a good point why they needed the phone it was such a heavy-handed plot device but oh well you've got to have a few of them sometimes I think <laughs> um, yeah a thing I noticed, um, she said that the pictures, the things, it only started happening a few months ago. So yeah, yeah. I'm, are we guessing that this has something to do with the reason that her and her family moved to Beacon Hills? Uh, potentially, like, yeah, now that she's, like, in, either that she, either it's, like, an age thing, maybe she just turned 16 or 17 and it happens to the women of the family at that it's age. Buffy. It's just, or, she's Buffy, essentially. <laughs> or it's that she's now in that area where that maybe she's like not in a place where she didn't say it's only happened since we've moved to Beacon Hills. So you'd think mm-hmm. if it was that, like that'd be a bit more of a like alert, alert. Light thing. bulb. It, it yeah. Be like it could be like to do with all of the energy and the currents and everything, you know, in Beacon Hills, uh, uh, you know activating it as opposed to oh you have become the age that the spirits come you know or something (laughs) like I don't know but yeah if it was specifically tied to moving to Beacon Hills I feel like she would have said it's only happened since we moved here Uh, but again it could be something they work out later and she just forgot to say I don't know I also have a small side note about this scene, and it's probably just dumb because I'm so involved in, like, I, I hear, we hear so much meta yeah. about things, but the fact that Scott sat down and has a pre-calculus book, I, I don't know, back to school thing, it's been, like, 11 years since I've been in high school, so I don't know if it's the same, but when I was in high school, you didn't have to take pre-calculus, it was not necessary. Uh, pre-calculus was basically, or pre-calculus and calculus were taken because a lot of colleges require them. Again, you so know, it just makes me, you know, all warm maybe and fuzzy he's inside. Trying hard. Exactly, Again, and I love that. We don't. A plot device. We, we have do. maths. Just maths. <laughs> just maths. <laughs> Different levels of maths in higher year groups. Like we have, it's like you know, when you're actually doing the university entrance examination, like you can either take a course for the whole year in general mathematics, which is more like business related like things like interest and like a lot of that kind of like uh business style maths you can do like advanced mathematics which would obviously involve calculus and trig algebra and then you could do like double that you can basically choose to take like what they call four unit maths which is like if a main a subject like english is like two units and it means it took up like 10 blocks on your timetable a fortnight four unit maths is like double that which is like i guess for like crazy people but Again, they cover different subjects in, in the maths class at different times, but you don't take a specifically labelled course of, of the different types of maths. You just do different maths at different times in the maths class. And I've seen people make posts about this on Tumblr, like people from the UK, and why you got so many types of math? Like, why is there, like, why why do you have so many different math classes? This seems horrible. Like, ours is just a little labelled a little more gently. I'm sure the, the subject matter, once you're doing it, is also awful. But, uh... We do not call it all those things or have all of that separation. The sciences in that senior university entrance is separated, but maths is still maths. It's just a different different levels hmm. of difficulty. So I don't know. Um, again, like, is it like you do trigonometry in eighth grade and then algebra in ninth grade or whatever? Like, how does that work? For me, it was Pretty uh, much. geometry, algebra one, algebra two. And then if you chose to take an additional math, you could choose from 
trigonometry, calculus, um, but you only require were required three. Fun fact: I took pre-calc. I don't know if it was when I was in eleventh grade or twelfth grade, and that was the like math was never my strong suit. But that's the best math class I ever took. I got like over a hundred in that one. It was insane. I don't know what it was. But that was the easiest math I've ever taken. <laughs> well. Well, you've just blown my meta out the roof. Thank you, Karen. Oh, Sorry. no, it's not that big of a deal. Scott, you know, whatever. It's an easy class for Scott. It's fine. Mm. <laughs> um, good for Scott. He's trying. Good he for is. Karen. She tried, too. <laughs> <laughs> she succeeded. Thanks. Yay! <laughs> anyway. Next. So they decide to go get Kira's phone back from Agent McCall because apparently it's really important that no one sees these photos, even mm-hmm. though I... Not hundred percent sure I that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Can we talk about Derek and the yeah, trick or treaters? Yeah. It's the most important part of the episode. <laughs> yes. So he Derek, we see Derek basically close the door on his loft. Like he's back in town, he's living there, and then he goes out to the store in, in his mom van, like in his people <laughs> mover. And some trick or treaters come up to him and they're like, Trick or treat, like small children. And he turns around and you think he's gonna be like runaway people and then he pulls out his bag of mixed candy and hands everyone an individual candy into their trick-or-treating sack and then a (gasps) special halloween treat scares them with his wolf face which delights the (laughs) hell out of them as they run away they were just standing there waiting like is he gonna do something so i'm just why were they just standing there waiting? They didn't. Most Derek kids Hale were like, is a Halloween legend. I just, <laughs> he, he, you know, he has. I, I bet the, maybe like the Hales themselves, like when they had the whole house, were like really good to people Aww. on Halloween, and like he wants to yeah. be nice, like his mommy. Yeah. I don't know, but I was so yeah. like I just love moments of like soft Derek, and then he's like, ha, 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 when he scares them with runs away. <laughs> He was so proud of himself, you guys. I can't defeat an alpha pack, but I can scare a group of fourth graders, guys. I've got Dude, this. I really need fanfic about, like, Derek <laughs> Hales, the best, like, Halloween trick-or-treater ever. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was so oh, I'm sure it's being worked on. Maybe he, maybe he really liked Halloween. Maybe he, as a kid, like, he got the chance to, like, do really crazy stuff on Halloween, like use his wolf powers to like have a costume and stuff in some way. And people were never like, Oh my God. And they were like, little boy, such a nice costume. And now he's children. He's really good to children on Halloween. Oh. I died. Can he be like a kindergarten teacher? I, I, I want Derek oh. to kids all the time. <laughs> like this, like a really angry kindergarten teacher. And they're like, Mr. What's wrong. And I just need everything. <laughs> Sorry. Band-aids on the kids. Oh my god, stop it. Uh, uh, it was the best. <laughs> so Derek then gets zapped by those people and then you we don't see him again to the end of the episode. Are we meant to assume that he's like knocked out in the same way as Isaac and that are until the end of the episode? Like that he he outside his car, like that's why he doesn't know what's going on in his loft. Like we never see yeah, like he how had, he recovers. He had no that. one to bring him to. Yeah. Like I'm sure it just took that long. Although t- kind of different, like off track a little bit here, I just realized that this is the Halloween episode. This is the one we were looking forward to so much. And we had talked a long time oh, ago wanting to see them in costumes. Oh, and costume. we never got to see you in costumes. Oh, and I'm so sad. Huh. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I also want to know how they got power in Derek's loft. 
Is he meant they to put be, a generator they brought out it. on the balcony. Okay. I don't know. I don't know things about power, electricity, but yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like I was confused just about, about how to, how they got in, uh, they got that in there, but yeah. Um, like how they, how they actually made it work there. But like, if you lived in a different town or something that wasn't having a blackout or whatever, but yeah, I literally have, again, a line in my notes. I write notes to, for these discussions, just my own notes to, to bring up. And, uh, yeah, I have Derek and trick-or-treaters, I'm cry. So <laughs> that was um, – Like, I just want to know what his thought process was. Like, he gets in from out of town. He, You know, he's cleaning up the uh, the loft. He's dusting, taking out the garbage. And then he leaves to go to, like, Walgreens to pick to up some, some candy. candy because because he knows the kids. <laughs> and he hopes that he's going to have leftovers because he really likes the M&Ms. Oh, I got – He's the most ridiculous character. <laughs> he, I'm so glad they haven't tried really hard to make him, like, hardcore bad. I mean, he is moody and broody, but, like, I'm so glad they haven't tried to make him, like, really harsh, if you know what I mean. Like, that, mm-hmm. yeah. like the, the impression they had of him in the first. I remember the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, Derek's horrible. And then the second time I watched the first season, I laughed at him the entire season. <laughs> and I feel like that's, like, the beauty of Derek Hale. But, but yeah, he's <laughs> kind of. Um, speaking of my notes, uh, the next item on my my list is nudes in capital letters. So, uh, <laughs> shall we move on to that point? It, wait, what? <laughs> I think she means Kira's uh, fake nudie pictures on her phone. Oh, because I have some questions about take, that whole thing. I don't remember anyone being naked. <laughs> no, no, no. Nudes. Um, basically, I mean, before we get to the actual point of them breaking into the police station and Styles helping them you know Styles comes and he gives them copies of the access keys that he's created for them and then Kira takes Scott aside and says did you tell him like you didn't tell him what why this is happening right and Scott says no I just said there were some pictures on your phone that you don't want people to see and we need to go delete them and she's like what do you mean she's like and he was like naked pictures and she's like I guess that'll work which I suppose valid my question for you is how far do you think Scott took Kira's trust? If, do you think that he is telling Kira that he didn't really tell Styles because she doesn't know that they all know about the supernatural and that so she's worried, you know, or do you think that he, you know, wanted to protect her or wanted to respect her wishes that much that he didn't tell, he didn't actually tell Styles what the problem was? Even though Styles um, knows about Supernatural. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm torn. Like, would he have... Because like, like, he did tells he Styles his, everything, did but... He break his, did he technically break his word to Kira and tell, you know, tell Styles what the actual deal was and then told her that he didn't uh, because she has no idea that Styles, you know, knows about this crazy knows stuff. But, does, and, yeah. and, you know, was trying to comfort her by saying, no, no, he doesn't know about, about that. Uh, you know, she doesn't know. He knows. Scott knows about it either, like, you know, until, I guess, the end of the episode. But, um, yeah, so my question is basically, does Styles really think there's naked pictures on his I, phone? I don't or did think he, so. Neither, I mean, neither do I, but I was, but Scott is often so honourable that I'm like, did he technically break her trust or not? Like, I couldn't I, I think he could have told Styles, you know, he could have mentioned photos, but not what kind. Yeah, I um, don't know. Because um, I think Styles probably would have been like, dude, are you seriously having me, like, break the law? For nudie pictures? Yeah. Really? 
I, I think don't think Styles, Styles would have cared though. So I think Styles would have take, taken it at face value. Like, dude, you're telling me I trust you. This, you know, he he trusts Scott yeah. implicitly. Like, I, yeah, I I just feel like that. Yeah, that the, the naked pictures thing was probably simply to comfort Kira, so she doesn't think all these people know about this situation, even though they all already know about this situation. Mm-hmm. And see, I don't know because I feel like Scott wouldn't want to betray her trust and in not telling styles like right now it's not that big of a deal because even scott doesn't really know what kira is all he knows is that she kind of glows and i mean he figures out pretty quickly that it's in the shape of a fox but i feel like styles doesn't really need to know that right now because it's not like super important in that moment and I feel like he really kind of does want to put that trust in, in Kira or have Kira have that trust in him. But we know that Styles already knows about the electricity thing. So I'd imagine that's enough for him. I don't know. I'm sure. Yeah, I can't work it out. But I just I just kind of find it hilarious that he comforted Kira by saying, my best friend thinks you have naked pictures on your <laughs> Like, But my favorite part was when she was like, oh, that's a really good idea. Uh-huh. I love Kira so much. She's not what you would expect at all, and it's awesome. Mm. So then they go into the actual station, the police station, and they uh, and because I was like, are they going to take the phone? They're going to notice that it's gone. But no, apparently they just go in and try and delete the photos from the phone, which, again, if, if McCall had that phone because he knew there were photos in it, like that Barrow took and that it could have been like evidence, then what's he going to do when he finds out they're deleted? Like, anyway, the whole thing just seemed incredibly convoluted. But I guess they needed some sort of plot. Um, they can't just have an episode that's a blacklight party, unfortunately. Um, they break into McCall's office. The phone's dead. They find like a charging cable um, to charge it off of the MacBook, which still has power, because obviously all the power's out, um, and that does actually work. So uh, just in case no one's ever tried that, if your computer ba- battery does, if your computer does have battery and you have a connecting cable, um, that that does work. Not for long, but it, it will work. And it took them like one million years to turn the phone on, which is pretty accurate in that situation. And yes, <laughs> in that time, McCall uh, actually came into the office. Uh, and, uh, well, first of all, when they open the computer, Scott sees that, um, the screensaver is like a picture of him as a child, like a fat baby Scott being bounced by proud daddy <laughs> McCall and he has some feelings about it. So did you guys have some feelings about it too? Well, at first I was like, oh, is this his other family? Like I was actually <laughs> expecting Jesus. it from Scott. Nobody else had that reaction then? No. No. Oh. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> I just need him to be evil so bad. Sorry. I was mostly like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> wait, wait, no, we're supposed to hate meant him. To be like, oh, look, he really loves his son. Oh, mm-hmm. let's have mm-hmm. empathy. And then Styles, even though he'd said earlier, look, your dad's trying to screw my dad over. If you get caught, I'm running away. I can't be a part of this. Uh, he does decide to actually help out by stalling Agent McCall coming in to say... You know, oh, idea about the killer, maybe this, and he's I like, I have yeah, lots of thoughts. <laughs> yeah, we we already got that actually. Your dad thought it up, and then he's kind of like, only useful thing he's done. And then Scott, and then Styles, like, kind of goes, you know, 
to this place. <laughs> to this place. Yeah, he does yeah. go to I've actually yeah, I've written that was super threatening on my on my notes. Like his Oh, by the way, when he's waiting in the car before he which again is gonna be I think significant later, when he's waiting in the car before McCall comes in and he's spinning the keys and then he kind of is looking at that extra key again. Uh, mm-hmm. when he spins the keys, the look on his face is so like dead and like cold. And I feel like that, like, yeah, it's just a, a very uh, brief example of, of very dark styles. But, yeah, he kind of he's, – he's purposely stalling for a minute and then, you know, part of it might be because he knows he needs to stall a bit longer, but then I think he's actually – something's triggered in him that's genuine, like, hey, I'm going to get into this. When mm. Agent McCall sort of rags on Styles' dad again, Styles goes to a place, as we mentioned, and is actually really like, hey – I know that you always crap all over my dad and you can make it out like professional rivalry or, you know, whatever, but I know what it is. Um, he knows something about him that you don't want him to know or something he knows he knows about something yeah. you don't want yeah. him to. And then he goes, and guess what? I know it too. And at first I was like, what the hell? Like at first uh-huh. I was like, is this about the supernatural? Is this like everyone knows but no one knows everyone else knows? But then I'm like, no, no, this is personal and it was super cold and super threatening. And McCall tries to, like, laugh it off, but it clearly is a thing. And I guess it's something that Scott doesn't know as well. But what do we yeah. – what do that's, you think? That's pretty much where I was. I was like, what is it the sheriff knows that Styles knows that Agent McCall doesn't want any of them to know? And, yeah, I thought, too, is it supernatural or is, is he referencing the existence of wolves or is – you know, is Agent McCall's department kind of like some super secret supernatural branch that no one knows about? Or is Styles talking about the one time Agent McCall accidentally ran over the Stalinsky's mailbox? I, you know, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, Karen, what do you think? Well, I, when we first saw part of this clip in uh, one of the trailers, yeah. I thought it was going to be about the supernatural. Yeah, but then yeah. seeing the whole scene, I was like, no, this is definitely personal. And the only thing that I could really think about, think of, is that, like, Agent McCall cheated on Melissa or something like that. And maybe that's why they're not together anymore. And it would make a lot of sense to me just because, like, obviously the sheriff has feelings for Melissa. We don't know how long he's had those feelings or when this whole thing occurred, uh, you know, if that's actually the case. But to me, that makes the most sense. And I could definitely understand why he wouldn't want his kid to know that because that's kind of traumatizing. Yeah, I mean, that or maybe he's like, from a department that's like super screwed up, like he like tortures people or something, like that he like that something about his job that isn't like I mean they know he works for the FBI, but like maybe like something maybe he's like killed some people in a bad way or like I don't know like, but yeah whatever it is I felt like you know again like at first it was like, you know you you hate my dad because he knows about things and I know about things and you know about things and I'm like. But Sheriff hasn't known about werewolves that long. I don't think this is about that. Like I, like you said, the trailer really gave the impression that they were kind of being all in on this. Like he knows about supernatural, but he doesn't know the rest of them does kind of thing. But that's I think that it's something super dodgy. So yay for that! <laughs> Can't wait! Yay! Um. So then it's the actual party at Derek's loft, 
and everyone kind of decides to go to it separately. I think Allison and Isaac show up there. I assumed they showed up there actually looking for Derek. Like, I didn't know they were they, – because they kind of looked shocked when they opened the door. Maybe they just weren't expecting it to be quite that there, Maybe, you know. And then mm-hmm. eight, uh, Scott and Styles and Kira attend the party on purpose. Anyway, everyone ends up at the Blacklight party for Halloween. So that's fun. How they thought they were going to get away without Derek knowing or finding out is beyond me. I loved it. Yeah, just when Isaac and Allison opened the door and he's like, Derek can never know about this because yeah. it's too many bright colors for Derek to be able to process. <laughs> he'd have a seizure. Like, you know, like, he'd he be able to handle the idea that so much fun had happened in a place where he lives. It, it might would forever just, taint his yeah, loft. It might just, like, make him crumple up or something. So, yeah. Um, but the party is all kind of, you know, everything's happening. And Ethan is all like, you know, did I make you happy, Danny? And then he rips off Danny's shirt for him to get all painted by the the uh, the artist. Which is also, again, a tiny little aspect that I really appreciated because when we saw the promo pictures and everyone had all of those, that painting on them, I was like, how has everyone, how has everyone got such beautiful paintings on them? Like, did they all just have UV paints lying around? And then the fact they had an artist there actually doing work on them, I actually kind of weirdly appreciated that little aspect of canon because I had been like, oh, this seems convenient, like, it, from just seeing them all in the the trailers because if I was doing my own UV party and I didn't have an artist painting stuff on everyone would just be like smeared and hand printed like it would be (laughs) actually good so yeah also did you like Kira's like little Marvel checkerboard leggings like that had like I like all of the different like Avengers faces on them yeah yeah (laughs) such a nerd yeah we love her so the party happened and everyone's there Kira's there Lydia's there uh, everyone's there. I don't know. Not Derek. Derek's not there yet. Except for Derek. Derek's, yeah. you know, left for dead He's on the floor the by his car. <laughs> yeah. Peter's not there. I'm sure he would have loved it if he was there. Oh, um, my God. Too soon. He would have been that creepy guy, like, you know. God. I mean, he's already that creepy guy, but, yeah, it would have been good. But some stuff happens at the party. Karen, do you want to go into that stuff? Because I'm tired again. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. Stuff so happens at the end, like... Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay, we're done. Um, so the first thing is that Scott uh, sees Allison, and this is right after he kind of grabs Kira's hand so that, you know, they don't get separated in the crowd. And Scott sees Allison, and they kind of share this really interesting smile. And I love this part because you could tell they both were kind of uncomfortable at first, but then they were like, hey, we can still be friends. You know, we can still be nice to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not just being civil or something. It wasn't cold at all. It was genuine, yeah. like, hi, it's nice to see you. She's kind of like, you know, she kind of looks at him being like, oh, is that going on? And then she's kind of like, gives him this nod of approval, like, yeah, hi. Uh, but he doesn't take back Kira's hand again. No, well, she kind of gets lost in the crowd. She, like, moves off, and he tries to find her, and he uses his alpha heat vision, whatever it is, yeah, to find her. And he actually sees the glowing light around her when he's looking at her like that. And the shape is in the shape of a fox. And I I got really excited during this part. Like, (laughs) it was, you know way out there we kind of had a feeling that this was going to happen anyway but I just I was so stoked that we finally got our first look at maybe what Kira could be (laughs) 
boxy lady. Um, I was disappointed in its ears. It was just like a nose, and it didn't have any ears. So, at least not that I saw. Um, also, how does I, I'm curious to know how that works. How does the alpha eyes work? Like, does he have somebody in mind, and he just focuses, or does it only focus on the other supernatural, and he knows that there's well, something with her, so he knows know. he'd I find didn't her? Even, I didn't even realize that was why he was putting the alpha eyes on. Like, I didn't even... Like, realize it was, oh, I've lost Kira, and now I'm looking. Maybe it, like, sharpens his vision, and I don't know if mm-hmm. he was expecting to see that. Like, I don't know if he knew he could see that through his alpha vision until he saw it, if you know what I mean. Because if it was a supernatural filter, that would have been really good in 3A. Yeah, right? Like, or in, you know, season, <laughs> you know, two with Jackson. Like, you know, like. Oh, gosh. Um, anyway. If he can just put on his eyes and know who's supernatural. <laughs> I feel like that would be a big solution. Yes, mm. it would. I don't know what it was exactly. Yeah, I wasn't really expecting that. And then, you know, I, I didn't know if you could see that fox shape in the photographs, but when she's living and breathing in front of him, he could see the kind of fox mask thing over her head. And uh, when they speak about it at the end, um, you know, just jumping ahead a little bit, you know, she she kind of thinks, oh, this electricity all around me look, looks like I'm like a demon or something. And it, and Scott says, I don't think it looked like a demon. Like, it looked like something protecting you. And then he was like, it looked like a fox. Do you think that, like, she is the spirit? Or do you think that, like, she is, she herself is something special that is protected by these spirits? Like, that they are separate to her? I don't know. That's, That's a good, good question. question. Yeah, because it doesn't obviously act in the same way as the werewolves or even the the where coyote like those were very much the same sort of rules yeah but this seems just totally different like, so it's gonna be interesting to see how it ends up working like if she's a certain thing and then she has these guardian spirits that like guard her in some way i don't know but mm-hmm. we shall see like we don't know if kira herself is the fox or if there's the fox that helps her you know like if it's like her guardian angel or something yeah, because a lot of people are trying to connect the the fox and the electricity thing, and maybe that was just an aspect of maybe protection. Maybe the foxes are guarding her for the yeah. electricity. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, yeah, I don't, don't know. And then Lydia has some events at the party as well. Oh, gosh. She oh. goes out into the balcony, I think, just, I don't know why, reasons, I can't remember. And those She dudes... sees the masked men and starts oh, like, running away. Purpose, no, she just runs away, I think, to get some air. Yeah, everything was kind of getting muted and she, they started popping up like and disappearing. So she was seeing things. And then she comes out uh, basically into that balcony and they zap her and make her, they steal her scream. Like they kind of make her not scream, uh, basically <laughs> freezing her. And they do the same similar thing that they do to Isaac. I don't know whether she has been, you know, stopped for the same reason, like if they're going after her for the same reason as Isaac or whether they just know that she could alert people, you know, and they do that to everyone that gets in their way. But those masked dudes basically uh, freeze her up and and silence her until she's found a bit later. Uh, Well, that part where they stop her from screaming was so intense for me. Like, I don't know why, but it was just, I guess it shows how much power they have, 
that they're able to do that and it makes them even scarier because she's pretty powerful in her own right. We know that we've seen that, especially recently with her screams and what she's able to do. Mm. And for me, that was just super intense. But also when that one comes up from the floor, I got like a flashback to the title credits Mm. and I don't know, like it doesn't really seem to be the same thing because in the title credits, we see like a bunch of hands coming up out of the ground and it, it looks like dirt and it, it is different, but I didn't know if maybe there could be, like, some sort of connection there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know uh, either. I The hands going up and down, I got the impression, was to do with Lydia and to do with, like, dead death, dead things crossing over. And these guys certainly are not alive. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. It's I mean, do we even know what they... Are they corporeal? Like, are they... They're made of fireflies and smoke. But obviously they <laughs> obviously, are, Obviously, like, I mean, yeah, duh. Like, I mean, who is made of fireflies and smoke? A little bit, though, because Derek breaks one of their necks. Granted, he, like, unbreaks it. But, I mean, they, they are solid. It's weird. I don't know how they work. Or is it like they yeah. can turn into smoke to get in and out of places and then, like, form themselves again? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they can... Yeah. They're not actually non-corporeal but they can like turn that way to travel or something like you know that's the impression i got uh okay i just wanted a small note this is before she even went out on the balcony one of the my favorite things was as soon as she started to realize that something wasn't right and she she kind of you know there was trouble or she got scared she called out for scott yeah i kept noticing that scott and I'm like, that's the alpha of her pack, guys. And yeah. it just made me so happy. Well, I keep wondering about that. Like, she did it a few times, and then there was that bit of them in the last season of her sort of going to Scott being like, if, you know, get me the time and, and I'll help you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm just curious about whether, yeah, like, yeah, I've always been very curious about Lydia and Scott's relationship, like about just what they think of each other and how they consider each other. And it's just... You know, I didn't even know she knew Scott was there. Like, they hadn't spoken. At, I mean, she knew he was there, but, like, they hadn't spoken at the party at that time. And, you know, it was very, I don't know, it was very strange. And that was, that that all happened. I kept noticing it because she, she kept, she did it more than once. And, yeah, like, like I've said, they actually have very few scenes speaking to one another. And so mm. I always want more of that. Before she got dragged out, that was right where she was noticing, like, um, all of the the different people, like, uh, you know, before she, you know, when she told off Aiden and she sort of saw Alison and Isaac together and then Styles dancing as well. Once again, this episode had some fantastic moments of awkwardness and just horror for Alison and Isaac where (laughs) they were being all like, paint my body, are you sexually frustrated? And I'm just like, you are the worst. You're the freaking worst. But Daniel Sharman, like, I don't know how he does it, but he just says, like, one word and I die. Like, when he was, like, sexually, just, like, his face, I don't know what it is. He's so good at that dry humor. And she laughs. Like, she she clearly enjoys it. And, you know, I mean, it's obviously the first time they're, they kind of address anything. Like, you know, he's he says, oh, I want to tell Scott what's going on. You know, I don't like keeping things from Scott. And she's like, no, you don't. You're just like standing around and making things awkward for everyone. And it's like, yeah, true. But um, it's definitely the first time their their sort of coupleness or whatever they are or aren't doing is outright addressed, you know, unless mm-hmm. you count the 
thing that happened a few hours earlier in which they took off their shirts angrily. And obviously it's a thing when Lydia notices it and she's like, finally. finally. So yeah, I know, but like they, they clearly have not been speaking about it or at least not on screen. Mm-mm. And uh, it's, yeah, so that's the first time that's like outright addressed and then obviously later on it escalates a little bit more. But did Scott notice that at all? Did Do we see Scott react to that at all yet? Like even no, I don't think he it? saw that. No, I mean he knows that there's something on Isaac's in, obviously from you know episode thirteen. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he's really clued in much to Allison's feelings. Yeah. But I, I think he'd be okay. Yeah, I mean I guess it's going to continue to be a thing, but we'll see. I, I found. They're just so bad, like, at talking and living and being alive. Like, it's, like... <laughs> like the Derek Hale story. Well, yeah. I don't mean, like, in the Derek Hale way. He's genuinely bad at all those things. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, like, just... They're so blunt to the point that it's uncomfortable. Like, and it's, I mean, good for them, I guess, if they're both on the same level of that bluntness and they're cool with it. But it's uncomfortable to watch. Like... <laughs> I assume they were going to the party on purpose if she wore that glowing uh, tank top underneath her flannel shirt. But, yeah, where she's like, do you want to talk about Scott or do you want to paint my body? That's not the a eternal, sentence. The like, eternal dilemma. Like, <laughs> deep-rooted respect for his alpha, but at the same time, I want to come paint. on. <laughs> uh, it's like a bad romance novel, but anyway, I want to paint your body. Um, I'm going to stop saying that now. Moving on to another uh, new, new couple alert, potentially. Um, Courtney, I know you had a lot about this one. Do you want to sort of go into what happened there? Oh, well, okay. Um, so we have this weird interaction between Caitlin and Styles, where he's like, wait, this is Caitlin. Your girlfriend is dead. And she's like, yeah, I'm drunk. And so there, there's dancing. Well, and then they start I talking. guess. Like, yeah, you know, no big deal. I'm, you know. Um, so... They move to the staircase and they're talking and well, she leans up to kiss him and Styles is like, whoa, whoa, wait, I thought you liked girls. And she's like, I do. Don't you? And he's like, absolutely. And she's, he, and then he yeah. says, well, do you like boys too then? And she says, yes, absolutely. Do you? And he pauses and guys, I, I'm watching the episode and I'm trying to live tweet as the podcast and it just was a horrible failure at that point. Has a pause <laughs> ever caused so much drama in the history no. of time? You like, have no idea. I have notes on this. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> There's a lot I of I want to read all your notes, but yeah, I mean, let, let's, you know, fill this in. Cards Ooh. on the table. It's been referenced several times in the history of the show that Styles might be bisexual. It's mm. been mentioned in panels and stuff by Jeff that, yes, those references were on purpose. It's not like a hilarious joke. It was a purposely done thing. It is not something openly stated by the character. It is possibly not something the character has even considered mm-hmm. himself, like to himself before. But I think that it probably is. It's something that seems to fit very well for the character, and it's something that people have been interested in for a long time whether it's to do with shipping or just because they think it would really work for the character of styles this pause there is so much drama so much packed in about whether it is him confirming that or denying that like what of course not or considering it to himself for the first time or 
whatever. So, Courtney, what do you think? Do you want to read us what through your notes? Oh, my notes. Okay. Well, I mean, there is a lot of debate about the pause, and there's even some who are saying that, oh, he's realizing realizing the key thing. And I, I really don't think that's the uh, case. Oh, that's but not what that's about. No, I, no. I really don't, because the... <laughs> Even as he paused, he gets this thoughtful look on his face, and even Caitlin kind of huffed out a laugh at his expression because she realized what she'd just done and what had happened. It's like the wheels are turning in his head, and the seed is planted, and it's no longer something that Styles can casually joke about anymore because you've got a 16-year-old boy here that's just come to the realization that maybe liking girls and liking boys isn't mutually exclusive. Yeah. And it's not about ships. It's about a character. And if Styles is bisexual, it doesn't confirm, deny, invalidate, or anything, any of the ships that you may have. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a character we've all kind of grown to love. And he's evolving. And it's not rushed or forced. And I really couldn't be happier. And um, our friend Megan, the one who likes to live draw <laughs> sketches during our podcast, she kind of made she worded it better than I could, but basically she said Caitlin is the catalyst to Styles' bisexuality mm. because uh, I think we all forget that he is supposed to be in high school and everyone has those people that guide them in a way to self-discovery. Yeah. So I really liked that. Which I think is a really good thing for the character of Caitlin as well because there was a fair amount of negative drama surrounding the idea that she was a lesbian character and then was quote-unquote straightened by making her hook up with Styles, which I did mm-hmm. not think was actually a thing. Like, I did not think was like, you know, that's that's not what that is. Uh, but people were kind of disappointed in some way that a queer character would be made in some way less queer by showing her having a heterosexual yeah. hookup. And I just don't think people talking like that really understand, like, the complexities of sexuality. Yeah, and that they're a bit a stuck in their thing. ideas. And it's like, sorry, like, if it meant a lot to you that she was a lesbian and now she's bisexual or she doesn't label herself, but maybe you need to not... Yeah, I don't think it's a more def- or less thing. It's define, a Define, like, thing. Like, like, mm. And I think with Styles, he's always been a character that that kind of... In this world where, you know, in this world where it's built that homophobia isn't a thing, like, it happens in this... Um, I think that he's the kind of character that this would, would work really well for. Like, I think that... Like, you know, people are annoyed because, oh, you know, if, if he's might be a bit bisexual, then what about Lydia? Or like, oh, my God, this means Steric is definitely going to happen. Yeah. Just let, let's not, like, let's not do that. It and let's, it. you know, I think they think if we're going to talk about Steric, I think the, the one thing that you could say would be that that is the fact that Styles is a character that is so absolutely molded to have that kind of sexual identity is a reason that he is so easily fitted into a queer ship, whereas other characters are maybe not necessarily so, you know, obviously usable in that way, if you know what I mean. I don't think usable is the right word. But, like, there are plenty of ships out there made of people who are obviously both heterosexual and it might be a homosexual ship. However... He conforms conforms more to it. Yeah, he... He's the kind of character that I think it's very easy to put him in a homosexual ship because of what exists in the character already, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, and I think that, that that is a reason why he is... Basically, it's very difficult to make a lot of things happen with a canon ship. You know, if you want to do fan fiction, if you want to write AUs, if you want to write canon-compliant fan fiction, you kind of, it's kind of very difficult when you have to address both characters 
being straight and then both characters deciding to not be straight with each other, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And if one of them is already not straight in some way, people ship those characters a lot more easily, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm not, maybe I'm just speaking for myself um, and it's not like there aren't ships made of every character under the sun or of people falling into different situations. But when one part of a ship is already queer in some way, it does take out some of the legwork involved in, in Half shipping the work them. is already done. <laughs> and uh, in shipping them, and I think that especially if with someone like Derek, who is, you know, we don't really know much about in that terms, but is a very stubborn, set-in-his-way person in all aspects of his life. I feel like if you've got two characters in a ship with Derek that are both, like, that stubborn about what's going on with them, that's not mm-hmm. going to fly very well. And so I just feel like that Styles is openness as a character is what has led to that ship working so well with Derek. But that's the only aspect of, I think, that it's important about Steric right now. I do not think that this means anything in regards to Steric in terms of it actually happening in the show. Like, whether it does mm-hmm. or doesn't. I, We're just speaking as fandom popularity. Yeah, that's like, I, I don't think that's what this means right now in the show. Yeah. Like, oh, no. And if yeah. They, if they, yeah, I don't think he's quite in a place of uh, styles. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, hey, who knows? Yeah. But, yeah, it's kind of nice to see that as a thing as opposed to as, like, oh, we're going to make jokes about this forever. You know, like, we're going to make, you know, this is, you know, a thing where we, where this character who is only seen as straight is all like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know. And jokes. I don't think that's something the show would ever, like, do intentionally, and I, I, I appreciate that the moments of that with Styles have always felt a little bit different to, say, you know, the moments in Sherlock or something. Like, um, the moments of that with Styles have always seemed genuinely speculative, mm-hmm. and it was just a matter of when it was going to escalate, basically. Yeah, I, I noticed there was there was a little bit of disappointment that it wasn't, like, spoken aloud yeah but you can't expect it to like considering this timeline how long you know how long we've got but he he's gone from joking about it to arguing with his dad you know i could be and now he's kind of like wait it's more about not joking and, and making other people around him laugh it's he he's thinking to himself now wait wait this this could be a thing and and it it's i think it could only progress from there yeah, I mean, I, I really hope the show doesn't try and, or the showrunners or, you know, you know, social media, anything doesn't try and spin that as a, like, well, that wasn't necessarily a confirmation, no, guys. Gosh. Like, you don't okay. know how much drama you're going to start. Yeah. Courtney's <laughs> no, been wanting this it. for so long. But, I mean, oh, I, think, I, think, I think it's a collective idea in the fandom that's just worked really well for this character in general, like, very... It's just yeah, accepted. I just yeah. don't care. Like, I, it, it was basically already sort of you know canon but um Mm -hmm. to to most people but I think that it's just something that if they did try and play it off as well you don't know what that means necessarily I think there would be somewhat of a riot however as long as it's not openly confirmed it will give people the room to argue about it so it would be nice I mean Teen Wolf doesn't generally have a lot of time for people having sexuality crises and personal (laughs) Problems like you know even the even the romantic relationships in the show are de- usually secondary to like the plot of what's going on. So mm-hmm. I don't know if we're gonna have time for like Styles's self exploration or like 
no, on the side, I've been going out with Caitlin to a bunch of clubs, and she's been introducing me to some guys and some girls, she's and I've mentor. been working out oh, what I like. Well, I thought I, I thought the drag sad. queen was his mentor. I want her, you know, they can all hang out. Like, Oh, um, this is going to be a great group. And it would be nice if they tried to work it in, in some way that was, like, even in passing, like, that... Just mentioned, oh, I went out with, you know, the other, the other girls tonight. Oh, that'd be great. There's, like, there's not really any moments in this show when anyone sits down and is like, so this is what I've been feeling about aside from the werewolf situation, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really happen in this show. So that's what fan fiction's for, I suppose. But it would be nice if, if it was able to be addressed in some way that would make people not have arguments about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, eliminate speculation, but, you know, it keeps people talking, I suppose. Yeah. Karen? <laughs> I was going to say, Karen, are you asleep? <laughs> no. Um, basically, I, I mean, Courtney, I think you said it best. You basically said everything that I wanted to say about it. But I just really loved this moment. I thought it was so interesting how they did it. And I actually really, really liked how they didn't address it straight on. They sort of just kind of left it hanging there. And I think for somebody like Styles who has probably felt this way for a really long time, but maybe never really gave deep thought to it. It was a really appropriate reaction. And maybe if, you know, so many things hadn't been going on at the same time, he would have had a little bit more time to figure out exactly how he felt and maybe talk to Caitlin more about it. But, you know, for what it was, I'm really, really happy that they're going in this direction. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, for such a popular character, I, I'm i really glad that they're exploring this. I think it's going to do great things. Yeah. Agreed. I, um, I just hope I just hope it doesn't cause them. Does it blow up in their faces? Yeah, I hope it doesn't cause drama and people being weird. Oh, like, it will. I, I mean, it <laughs> always oh, it does. does. But, like, <laughs> I think that it's, like, really, yeah, I, th- I think that it's a really good thing. And, and, I mean, I think, as I said, like, if people who are being slightly, um, you know, iffy about Caitlyn being, quote-unquote, like, unqueerified by hooking up with a guy, which is not a thing, guys, but I think that those people, you know, if, if they feel like something's being taken away from them by having that character become less queer, hopefully they can appreciate the fact that it is potentially that moment of catalyst in terms of lead character on the show becoming more of a queer character so hopefully what you're getting taken away from you with one hand or being given back to you in the other or something like I think that it's I think that it's really cool and I hope that it's like I hope that she's not just like a one-off like for this episode like and mm-hmm. that she gets to be around in some way like I don't know if they'll start dating casually and Zelda is amazing guys yeah. if you don't follow her on yeah. Twitter Zel- Zelda amazing. for ByteCon let's have her too <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh yeah she's cool uh she's she's someone who would be a lot of fun to keep on the show for a while and kind of again the show generally doesn't have that much time to explore people's personal problems but it would be interesting if possible like unless she's a supernatural character with a big plot point she probably won't be able to stay around for that long because they just don't have that much screen time but Sad. but it would be nice if that could be in some way explored in some way what else happened in this episode. Uh, the the phosphorus <laughs> on the key. That's the actual yeah. So they're making out and being bisexual together, and then she is like, "Oh, your keys have phosphorus on them." And he's like, "What? What is what is phosphorus?" And 
uh, she sort of explains it's the glowing stuff that reacts with UV light and, you know, people have it in their teeth and whatever, laundry detergent, and it's in all of the stuff that is glowing, like the paint and lipstick. And then he sees it on his keys and he's on the mystery key that appeared there for no reason. He's like, why? Why do I have this? What? What? What is this? You know, she's like, oh, you know, some chemicals. Have you been, like, handling chemicals? And he's like, no. And then he's like, oh, God, I have to go. And then he's like, I really don't want to go. I want to stay all over this all night, basically. And, uh, and she's like, I really don't want to offend you. And she's like, okay. Uh, and I wish they'd exchange numbers or something because I would would have liked the idea that she would just be kind of back in some way. Um, oh, but you know he would he would probably sneak into the files at the police department. I thought that as well. Like, hey, Dad, you, you know that girl whose girlfriend was killed? Yeah, do you have her contact details? <laughs> like, <laughs> I totally thought that myself. And if there's any any Styles Caitlin fan fiction going around in which such things occur and it's well written, please uh, send it our way because I'm yeah. I find it very difficult to wade through the masses of Teen Wolf fic that exists and not just spend all day and all night reading it all, like every story that comes along to check whether it's good or not. So if anyone knows like a really good rec list that gets like updated regularly with the best of what comes out, uh, I don't know if that thing is just like Brooke. Uh, and <laughs> I, I was about to say, wait, I, I'm sure I could, I could put some stuff together for you. Uh, but it just, it's just like, I don't want to, you know, be, hey, has anyone read any good fan fiction? I know some, like, blogs, like, run themselves. It's like, hey, uh, here's some good wrecks yeah, from this yeah. week or something like that, as opposed to trying to go through everything that's actually published because I have a life outside this podcast, as odd as it is. You do? Uh, yeah, I mean. That makes one of us. <laughs> I mean, I have One Direction to worry about. So. Oh, my goodness. Um, it went there. Yeah. Well, of course, every episode we have to. <laughs> Karen messaged me today to say that she'd been feeling bad and she put on the Midnight Memories album and it made her feel better. And so it really did. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a good album. Like, I do like their other albums and, like, there's a lot of songs on their other albums that are good fun and, and everything they pick for their live shows is really good. There's some really terrible songs on their earlier albums as well because they didn't write them and they just sort of got given them. They wrote, like, 16 out of 18 songs on Midnight Memories and between the five of them, like, a few of them wrote ones on their own and then they wrote some as a group, like, lyrics and melody to 16 of the 18 songs and they're so much better like I and it's just a very very good album as as you may have noticed I used Midnight Memories as the intro to our last episode to the 50th episode mainly because Liz our ByteCon friend said that she'd been listening to it and uh you know it involves the lyrics you know straight off a plane to a new hotel like we'll be doing at ByteCon and you know we'll be making some Midnight Memories <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> you know it was really relevant and I just felt like it was important that we used that for a podcast uh, sorry Courtney um, it's fine. But yeah, Long I, suffering sigh. So I, need to, so I need to balance my time so it means I don't have time to read the 20,000 Teen Wolf fan fictions that come out every week. So yeah, anyone who's got good stuff, feel free to always send us fanfic recs, either to Twitter or, you know, wherever you want. I I like that. What You know, someone gave me some recs yesterday because I had to sit around in the hospital and that was nice. So, um, yeah. Moving on from that, uh, <laughs> sorry, um, the phosphorus on the key, he, you know, he leaves to go and because he's had a, a crazy idea about what's happened with the key and why it has the phosphorus on it, uh, because chemicals. Side note, I do like the fact that he, he comes back and gives Caitlin a bottle of like, water. Drink all of that. Drink. Like, drink that. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. He's looking out for her. I mean, drunk. 
<laughs> yeah, that was cute. Um, he should have written his phone number on the side of the bottle of water. <laughs> oh, Styles. Um, basically, the next big thing that happens is that we find out that Isaac, Ethan, Lydia, and Derek were all attacked by the masked men, and they all have that number five on their necks. But is it the number five, or is it something else? There's actually a couple other theories going around. Uh, does does Lydia have that mark as well, or was it just, or was it just the wolves that have the mark and no. Lydia just got knocked out? Lydia, Lydia had does it as well. too. Okay. But basically, um, our good friend Jen from the podcast, she's been on a couple of times. She said that the symbol is actually, it looks like a backwards five, and apparently it's called Oto or Otsu. It's Japanese. I have no idea, but apparently this means duplicate according to Jen, which is really interesting. But we also got another piece of feedback from, let's see, um, the Hardbound Snob on Tumblr. And they're saying that uh, it might have a little bit of a different uh, word associated with it. They said kanji, and that it literally means oneself. And their guess was that maybe the the demon things, the demon ninjas are supernatural hitmen or guardians and that they might be looking for targets and they yeah. kind of like do this soul search thing. And if you are yourself, you know, you're actually not possessed or anything like that, they brand you and that way they know that you are kind of like safe, that you're out of the equation and so they're just going to keep looking for people until they find out what or who they're actually after. And they they had a really good point. They're like, possession would set off their radar as well. Next episode, they just want to check off Kira from their to-do list. However, I don't think they're actually after her. Do you think Styles would pass their test? I think not. And I think that's a really good point because something weird's going on with Styles. Yeah, and even even Chris Argent was saying, um, you know, they're obviously not here to hurt Isaac. They left him alone, but that that really makes me want to know why does he assume, if he knows what these things are and he thinks that they're marking people off his list as like checking them off as safe or fine or whatever. Why does he assume that they're looking for him? Yeah, that was something that occurred to me too. I think after that, the... Yeah, Derek comes back to the lock. Yes, there you go. So, he's not very happy. <laughs> Who's shocked? <laughs> I I was just the laughing. The guy was shocked. I want, like, an... Oh, my God. I want, like, an outtake where he opens the door and sees what's going on, and there's, like, a beat where everyone's like, oh, my God. And then he's like, yeah! And starts raving <laughs> along with everyone. Like, oh I, I really wish you could have seen me, because I was literally air... Po- air with both fists, like, doing the Derek Hale raised dance. Um, so, yeah, I, I need that in, like, an, an, a DVD outtake or something where he's just like, yeah, and gets I in on it. I just had this internal monologue when he walked in and <laughs> flips the DJ table to the side. Before he screams, get out, I can just imagine him screaming, I only play Inya in this loft. Stop. <laughs> and, like... There's a gift set, and I was just like, please. I just really want him to be upset. There's such loud music in his home. I mean, with the flipping the table thing, yeah, basically he obviously walks in and goes up to the DJ and is like, get the hell out, and (laughs) flips the table and shouts at everyone. But, like, 
it's again an example of like Derek apparently like and again do you remember back in I guess season one or two we were talking about how both the hunters and the wolves or at least the wolves who'd been wolves for a long time like Derek just don't seem to think that like the rules of society apply to them if you know what I mean like that they mm-hmm. don't think seem to think like they do things that are like more overly violent or like things like that that like yeah just in society with normal people are not appropriate yeah flipping that desk is one of those things like that's not how you handle other humans like and uh i mean i understand he was super mad but it still was yeah one of those werewolf moments that's like wow derek is a very badly socialized person maybe it was just like remainder freak out of being attacked by the ninjas downstairs yeah well that's true but i still think he would have done it anyway (laughs) that doesn't matter yeah and so he comes in they then they get everyone out except for the masked demon fighter firefly smoke men and they all start having a fight with them and basically everyone backs the hell off and lets them zap aiden in the neck which was uh i guess fine uh and he gets branded with the mark as well i like how aiden's like they're all looking at me why are they all walking towards me and everyone's like yeah bro you're on your own i'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, then the sun comes out, and apparently they cannot be in the sun, and they sort of vanish. So that was all very, like, dark. Like, it's in literally physically dark on the screen for a lot of the episode, as is most of Teen Wolf, so it's hard to pick out a lot of what goes on sometimes unless Minor you have, details. like, a re- really perfect screen and, like, perfect lighting. Uh, but, yeah, definitely vanished in the sun, zapped, um, zapped Aiden... Uh, in the same way that they zapped the other ones. And for a long time, as I said, because it's kind of hard to pick out what's going on in the background when the the um, filming is so dark, Kira was there and saw everything that was going on. And Scott at one point sort of growls at him with his wolf face and he kind of half turns around and Kira's in the doorway being like, oh, my God. So Kira saw everything. Like, yeah? Or she just saw a little bit? Or what I exactly? I she saw everything. And what amuses me is that Styles was gone. So yeah. I bet you next time they're in couch, she's gonna be like, "Guys, Styles doesn't know any of this stuff. He doesn't know about the <laughs> I photos. I want that to happen so badly. We have to really be quiet. Styles has no idea what's going no, on. Oh, please, please do that. Oh, oh, I would die. And I they're would... all like, "Uh." Yeah, I know. I want them to go along with it for a while. Oh, that would be beautiful. Poor Kira. That's not good. That's not gonna uh, help him think he's Sarah. not crazy or anything. We all of a sudden oh, his friends are like, "That's Styles." No, dude. Amazing. Please do it. Please do. It. <laughs> oh, I, I can't live. We think of such good ideas for this show. We need to be able to make our own episode. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. You, you know that we can do it. Uh, we can't, but you know we can try. We can throw some ideas at you, and you can write them properly. Um. And then at the end of the episode, um, after they all sort of knock everyone out and, you know, they, those guys disappear and whatever. Oh, my God. Sorry, I've just seen the addendum you've added to this point on the Chris Argent because <laughs> sort of similar, almost the last scene of the episode is Chris Argent coming back in the his apartment after he's been doing his 24 hours of whatever he was doing, you know, <laughs> to try and sort out the situation. And he's, like, bloody and, like, he's, like, he sort of grabs the door and then he falls over in the middle of the hallway and no one knows he's there and he's like there all injured. One of these two has put in brackets, uh, help, <laughs> he's so hot he fell over. He needs DILF life alert, as one post on Tumblr said. 
Courtney, was that you? No, and I can actually tell you who it was because I was logged into the document with said person added note. You can look at Miss Wales herself. Oh, it was Donya. Donya, who went and added that note. And she goes, oh, I see that you see that I'm in the document. I said, mm, mm. So So this was all Donya. Thanks, Donya, for that addition <laughs> to this show. It was really important. We loved it. Um, yeah, so Chris Argent's so hot that he fell over, but he's also <laughs> bleeding out on the floor. So hopefully someone finds him. However... Okay, so this is going into kind of slight major spoiler territory. It's more speculation-y spoiler territory, but it's been spoken about that major characters of our main group, like the main families, will die this season. Not just, you know, oh, a character that came in that season and now is, is dead. People who have been in the show for a long time. And what if Chris is dead, like, right now? What if he dies? What if this is it for Chris Argent and they have to solve the mystery that was behind him and that whatever was going on, they have, like, a vendetta against the Argents and that the whole Argent line, they want to wipe out the whole Argent line and they end up killing Allison because she's one of the main five that was, like, speculated that might die out of, like, Allison, Scott, Derek, Lydia and Styles. And people have been like, oh, I think it's going to be Derek or Allison, but... Uh, because neither of those guys have confirmed their season four contract, and apparently the others all have. Mm-hmm. But that contract stuff doesn't necessarily mean stuff. Sometimes they say people have confirmed their contract when they haven't because they're dying. Like, it's – trust me, don't trust that too much, but at the moment people think it's Allison or Derek. So yeah. if it was Allison and she was going to die, maybe it's, like, something to do with the Argent family or, like, whatever it is, having, mm-hmm. like, some vendetta against that whole family. Yeah, yeah, and see – the only reason I don't think Chris is dead because I've I think we've seen him in future oh, promos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he has when when he's talking to someone and and he was like you have to be prepared um, even if it's your own daughter. Yeah. So that kind of sways me a certain way, but I I don't know I'm under the impression that it's going to be one of the main five. That's how that everybody like I think everyone is under that impression. Like, yeah. Well, then the it credits. could be someone as well as as them. I mean, like oh, if yeah. Chris and Allison both died. If you know oh, yeah. what I mean. Oh yeah, it could be. A, it could, yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> the uh, the own daughter thing, I feel like might actually tie into the last point in terms of Styles, um, realizing that he the key that he had with the phosphorescence on it was for the chemical cabinet at school where he, uh, where Barrow had been hiding out, and that he goes into he then goes into the classroom where the clue was written. And, you know, his own suspicions are confirmed when he copies out the numbers that were written there and finds out they were the same handwriting as his own. Basically, he did it, or he thinks he did it at some point that he doesn't know about. Uh, And I assume, I mean, we'll talk about that at length, I'm sure, in one second, but I think that with the man saying that to Argent, like, you have to be prepared for anything, like, you know, for it to be anyone, even if it's your own daughter... I think that what he is talking about is whatever is going on with Styles. that there is some sort of evil possession thing that could be in anyone and it is in Styles, not in Allison, if you know what I mean. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I get the feeling that was about. But addressing that back to actual Styles and himself writing the clue and, and everything like that, what do, what do you think is going to become of that? Sadness. Horror. <laughs> yes. Essentially, everything that Teen Wolf is made up of. Mm. Tears. Yeah. Courtney. Lots of tears. Oh, Car- yeah. Sorry, Karen. 
I was going to say, wait. You're both just saying tears, tears, tears. We're all a little delirious right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. This wasn't, like, this reveal at the end wasn't exactly shocking because I kind of figured out what was going on with the key right away because it made a lot of sense, but also with certain things that, you know, you see on Tumblr, when you troll Tumblr a lot, you tend to get you know, some really good ideas and some of them aren't always true, but some of them just make a lot of sense. And so I kind of saw this coming, but at the same time, like, it's really intense and I don't know where it's going to go, especially since in the promo for next week, we see him in the hospital and, you know, Mama McCall is there kind of taking care of him. And I, I don't know what's going on, but Styles is going to go through hell this season, and I'm just really worried with how he's going to come out the other side. And, I mean, I know that he's meant to, like, check himself into a mental institution on purpose. Like, maybe he realizes that he's, like, literally, like, not safe unless he's, like, being monitored the whole... You know, if, if people out of his control are monitoring, like, where he is and stuff like that. Like, but I don't know. Like, it's... Do we notice any shirt changes in this episode? <laughs> I, I haven't think seen so. anything of it. Yeah, no. I was trying to look for it, but yeah. I, yeah. I, but I don't know. Like, I think that the idea of him being going dark has been a popular one for a long time because, I, as we've talked about for a really long time, like, I think that, like, he's a very, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, him being, like, shades of grey to, like, Scott and Derek's, like, black and white view of the world and how he could be, like, the poison friend, like, taking the bad... Um, tasks away from the untainted good guy and all of that kind of thing and yeah he's just the kind of person that has the potential to be really cold and scary as well and which we have seen a bit of as well and you know we don't know if this is him obviously it's not his conscious self but you know what ends up becoming of him in that in that if it's you know full-on possession or or another aspect of his own personality or or what. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to cause a lot of people a lot of trauma. Yay. (laughs) What if he kills Allison? Hey. Oh, my God. You're like, hey, none of that. (laughs) Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. I mean, even if he was possessed and it wasn't, like, actually his fault, can you even imagine how he would potentially handle that? Even, like, his relationship with Scott and everything. Gosh. Okay, let's stop thinking about it. Scott would probably forgive him in some way, but I would make the divide between him and Isaac even. Oh. Okay. Lolly What? Not Lolly. (laughs) Anyway, um, I guess that's the end of this episode. So, Karen, you've put a lot of feedback in this episode. Uh, actually, it wasn't all for me, and I we did cover one already. Um, the one that oh, I've yeah. been to talk about for a couple of weeks now, and I kept forgetting, and I don't have the Tumblr user who put this up, but um, this is from Tumblr, and somebody's just said, not sure if you guys have talked about this, but has anyone noticed the similarities in the deaths in this show among the villains who are out for revenge? It's as if they're all dying the way they should have died before their vendettas. Jennifer by having someone return to kill her before she could reach the nematon. Matt by drowning. Peter by fire, sort of. It makes me wonder what we're going to see from the villains in 3B. Is revenge going to continue as a theme, and do these deaths have any significance? 
significance in the greater context of the show. And I just thought this was a really, really well thought out question and not actually something that's occurred to me before. And I think part of it, and I think somebody might have said this when they answered it on Tumblr, um, Courtney, Brooke, or Donnie, I'm not sure, said that it makes sense because it, it's sort of a full circle thing um, with their deaths and and their storylines. But, you know, if you continue this thought into 3B, it makes me wonder, maybe we already have the clues for how we could possibly defeat like either the masked men or um, something else going on with the trio and what's going on in their heads. So what do you guys think? Well, what if, what if our villain for 3B never was like originally left for dead or there isn't anything to circle back to? Yeah. Good point. I don't know. Like it's, it's it's an interesting concept. Like with with Matt and with uh, Jennifer, I think especially, it shows like, you know, if it was done purposely, it kind of shows that like that kind of, I guess, living like that and like, you know, basically you kind of are gonna get what was always coming to you, like regardless of who you took with you along the way, I guess. Like and um, you know it you know questions the idea of whether the show in the context of the show, if there's any kind of higher powers, if you know what I mean, if there's any, obviously there's supernatural powers, but if there's any kind of, like, fated things that it's like, um, you know, no matter what you do, like, revenge is pointless because you can go and kill 20 other people, but you're still going to get killed in the way the universe had deigned you were going to get killed, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Like, I don't know. And this season, I mean, they've said the villain's going to be someone we might know already, and, uh, you know, we, we don't know exactly how that could work, uh, but I would like to know if those ones originally were on purpose or not. And then the other one, uh, t- Tumblr user Two Beacon Hills, uh, random thought, what if Derek becomes part of Scott's pack, like, instead of the other way around, which isn't technically too random. I think it's something that the fandom has been quite keen on for quite a long time yes they've been sitting on this for a while i believe it's something that tyler hecklin even addressed in an interview recently and Mm -hmm. i believe this is a feeling courtney a point that courtney has a lot of feelings about i have a lot of Derek hale feelings in general guys and uh yeah no okay so i kind of went on a twitter rant yesterday so (laughs) if if you follow me i apologize i'm kind of gonna kind of rehash some of that um basically there's been a lot of negativity floating around about Derek becoming scott's beta and the theme is really? yeah and there there's a handful of that they really believe that that Derek was happier as an alpha he deserved the alpha status but the, but the thing is is they're saying that he deserves the alpha status and that Derek would be the better alpha and that being scott's beta is beneath him but the thing is even hecklin has made the comment about being a beta and and how Derek wasn't the best alpha which i think we all know that um but it's because I don't think it's I don't think Derek was ever meant to be an alpha and Derek was never quite happy. And to assume that he's upset now that he's back to being a beta bothers me a little bit. Uh, it's like I kind of equate it to telling an introvert that they'd be unhappy keeping to themselves that, you know, you can't tell an introvert, hey, maybe you should just be more outgoing and be the life of the party <laughs> and you'll be so happy when the reality is many introverts thrive on quiet time and being to themselves and, and they know that. So it's kind of offensive to say that, you know, somebody better than they know themselves in that aspect. Yeah. But, uh, Oh, sorry, go 
Uh, well, I mean, Derek Hill was dealt this crappy hand, okay? You know, we all see all the crap he goes through, and he's been dealing with it the best he knows how, even though some of it's not the best. But the fact is 95% of his life has been spent as a beta. And his mom was the alpha of his pack, and then when his family died, Laura became the alpha. And I don't think he ever thought that he'd have to take on that position. So when he did become the alpha and he killed Peter, I don't think it was about the status you had Peter, like, kind of goading him on, like, you've already made up your mind. And I, I think the only reason he went through with it is he had Laura on his mind. Like, it, it's kind of ironic that he became an alpha after Peter's goading to avenge his sister. And then he lost alpha status after Peter's convincing him and to save another sister. So yeah. ultimately, I think he just wants a pack and he wants family and he doesn't care who's the beta to who's alpha. He just wants, you know, that group again. Yeah, I mean, Derek was never lined up to be like an alpha. Like he wasn't like raised in that way. I mean, raised in that way, like we don't know. But like he was never like the heir to the alpha throne of mm-hmm. the tales. And, you know, he definitely didn't, you know, act that way as a child, like from the idea that we have of his dynamic with Laura And here's the thing. I think for a long time, people really wanted Derek to succeed as an alpha once he became one because we didn't know there was a way for him to not become an alpha. Mm -hmm. It was only late last season or season 3A that we found out that you could un-alpha yourself in some way, (laughs) if you know what I mean. We thought he was stuck being an alpha, so we wanted him to be a really good one. and We didn't didn't want him to be, like, warring with Scott if he was an alpha as well. And so we're like, oh, yeah, we want Derek Hell to, like – get his shit together and be a really good alpha with a pack and everyone loving him. And there's lots of happy pack fix, you know, you know, fan fictions that are like, co-alphas, yeah. where he's like, you know, Derek's got his shit together or whatever. Like, and he is happily the alpha. We didn't know there was a way for him to not be an alpha. Uh, and we just wanted him to get what he had going for him. Right. As opposed, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know there was still like objection to him not being an alpha now that he was, you know, had, become a beta again like oh, I they didn't just, know yeah i think the whole the idea is him being the beta to scott's alpha he's not really a very dominant person like Mm-mm. he's he's very talky but he's like he's all you know not talking he's very kind of shouty but it doesn't mean that he's like good at like leading people uh very well or, or making people feel like safe and like they want to do what he and you know, we even helped. saw him in season two reach out to scott when he needed help with isaac eric and boyd yeah he called scott like like dude i need your help well you know like scott is not running around turning like unstable teens into werewolves like so there's your first clue as to <laughs> who might be a better alpha like you know he's there by you know, chance and is sort of, I mean, is it like an age thing? Are people annoyed that like Scott is the teen wolf and like Derek grew up being a wolf and that he should have to like submit to this like new kid or like. I think the idea is everything crappy happens to Derek Hale and they think think losing this would be another, yeah, Yeah. they think this would be another thing. I totally disagree with that though, because you have to think about what, does Derek losing his status as alpha mean? It means that he finally realized that power isn't everything and that he cares more about other people and his family. So mm-hmm. I think with him becoming a beta, it's actually a step in the right direction, not a step backwards. And I totally yeah. get, like, I definitely 
at first was like, oh, you know, Scott's becoming the alpha. That is kind of weird. And then Derek's going to have to take a back seat to him. And it is strange because Scott hasn't been an alpha for very long. But at the same time, he is a true alpha. His leadership skills are really great. And he's learning every day to become a better person. And Derek, I think, is learning that too. And if that means he has to be a beta in order to kind of get to know himself a little bit better and start going in the right direction, then I am all for that. Yeah. Agreed. Um, It'll be interesting to see what he wants, if he's, like, ashamed to be in Scott's pack, or if he's like, can I do this? And Scott's like, really? Like, yeah, I, don't I, mean? think Scott, I think like, Scott would feel more uncomfortable about it than Derek would. Like, that Scott would be like, oh, <laughs> I, I guess this is super awkward, but okay. Like, uh, we'll see, I suppose. But yeah, um, that's that's our take on Derek Hale unbecoming an alpha, I guess. Like, it's, uh, you know, probably a good thing in the long run. Uh, as I said, like, he was never the best alpha. We just didn't know that there was a way for him to stop being one. And now he has, so we wish him the best. And many Halloweens of scaring small children. <laughs> and quieter evenings at the loft. Oh, good. Good, good. <laughs> Is that everything that we have for this week before we finish up? Before we head to Karen's horrible question. Oh, well, I'm not allowed to ask it, so I've come you up with another one. You can if you really no, want. Nope, you've shamed me into not it's asking not it. It's not your fault. It's, it's been me tainted. being a crazy person. It's not your fault. <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't think I have an answer to that one myself, so... We're on... We've already been on here for two hours and ten minutes. Do you want it to be three hours and ten minutes? Because if you <laughs> ask that question, it will be... Oh, but maybe it was this, uh, maybe it was that. Okay, basically, Karen picked the question, what's the best concert experience you've ever had? And for some people, that might be a really easy option, but I've spent the last um, eight years of my life probably going to about 50 gigs a year, and I've gone on tour with bands, and I have a million favorite artists, and I have a million favorite concerts for millions of reasons. I recently wrote a blog that covered, like, all the gigs I went to this year, including writing about even just my top 10, which was, if I read that aloud, it would take, you know, half an hour. So (laughs) it's not an easy question for me to just pluck out a single simple answer for that one. So, uh, sorry, sorry about that. But, you know, I will just... Karen's upset that she can't ask the question, but she thinks (laughs) I'm angry at her. It's not. It's just a bad question for me because I am an idiot. (laughs) Okay. So question 2.0. Okay. What sort of things do you like to collect? I am a 100% proud self-admitted Disney nerd. So I actually collect those atrociously expensive pins. Oh, yeah. Whenever you go to the park. Um, I like the pins. But other than that, craft supplies, probably. (laughs) Lots Um, of craft supplies. (laughs) Didn't you used to have, didn't you used to collect NSYNC merch? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's about five boxes in my attic dedicated to uh, in-sync merchandise, but we're not going to go into that too much. Thanks. Yeah, that's okay. Sorry. <laughs> she she did tweet a bunch of pictures of it when there was the in-sync reunion on the VMAs. So oh, I good just times. remember that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what can you do? It's not I, an active collection anymore. Yeah. It's a, it's a prized uh, thing that will be in the Museum of Courtney, you know, one day. <laughs> Sure, sure. I don't know. I don't actively really collect things. I'm trying to think of things I've obtained quite a lot of. I guess you could count, like, 
not books, like, oh, everyone has books, they collect books. I buy, like, antiquarian books, like, purposely, like, like, first editions and stuff like that, like, not, like, heaps, because they're very expensive, but, but I have, like, you know, cheaper copies, like, of, of maybe a third or, or fourth edition of, like, you know, Oscar Wilde and a lot of, like, British poets and, and various writers that I've, I've liked and things like that. So that's something I, I do actively collect, I guess. And I have a lot of TARDISes in my house, but it's sort of not an on-purpose <laughs> collection. It's just uh, something that's happened, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, books would be the big one. Oh, and, like, if anyone ever wants to, like, get me a present, uh, again, it, it's not a, like, super active, I'm collecting these and I have millions, but I do like obtaining them. I really like, um, like, glass bottles like fancy old-fashioned like milk bottles like vintage glass bottles I really really love and I have like about five of them in my kitchen and a few of them elsewhere um you know like old-fashioned medicine bottles like that kind of thick Mm -hmm. greenish glass or like little little bottles that would have had perfume in them yeah old glass I'm super into as like an aesthetic thing and I I like that what about you Karen Uh, I used to collect a lot more things, and I think now that I work with antiques every day, I sort of, like, am really used to them, and it's not Mm. quite so exciting anymore, but I have a fairly large collection of world coins, old world coins, Mm -hmm. and currency, like paper currency as well, and I also have quite a bit of, like, World War II memorabilia type of stuff and both of them are actually because my grandfather on my father's side uh fought in world war ii and so Mm -hmm. basically i have like all this family stuff like a lot of the military things he used and um there's pictures and stuff and then all the coins for when he traveled around the world and i've sort of just been like adding to it and stuff but i'm super into coins and currency and um world war ii in general so i i like looking at all that stuff and learning about it cool i'm actually really into world war one in general and a lot of the books that i have uh, i've collected are like world war one era war poets like siegfried sassoon and a houseman and stuff so yeah yay war but no um (laughs) Not yay war, but a lot of a lot of good art came out of it. I suppose. I say here in the south, good history. Here in the south, pretty focused on the Civil War. Yeah, not not (laughs) yay war to you, Courtney. Um, None of your war. Um, So next episode is episode seventeen of season three uh, on February the third, and that's called Silverfinger, which again. Do we know what that's about? Like, do we know why Silverfinger? Because, again, what you said with Peter getting his hand, like, his finger cut off, and you said, like, Peter Pettigrew, and it just makes me think of, like, the hand that he got. got, You know, so do we know what the Silverfinger is? No, but now that you mention it, that's really weird. (laughs) That's because I saw the episode title a long time ago, and I kept thinking that. This week, obviously, Illuminated is kind of – uh, got a few meanings, obviously the the rave party and the eyes of the glowing bros, and also like the ideas of like things coming to light, like about styles and all of that kind of thing. And Kira being illuminated by all of her ele- electricity energy. 
so Silverfinger is sounds pretty specific. Like it sounds like the name of something, or like it's yeah. it's not a random term. It's it's something specific. So mm-hmm. it makes me think that it might have something to do with the Argents, just because their last name means silver, and yeah. there's obviously a lot of mythology around their family that has to do with silver. Yeah, like we were left thinking Chris was dead. So pardon. Sorry, sorry. No, we were left thinking Chris was dead, so I'm sure, yeah. you know, it'll be relevant. Yeah. Okay, so until then, I guess we will see you all uh, on the internet in between now and then, and we can work out what, what will be going on, and we'll have another guest host for you then. So thank you very much to Courtney for coming on, as usual, and for all of the time that she spends uh, with this podcast in general. Oh, thank um, you. You know, she's uh, obviously, you know, here for 52.0 and she'll be at BiteCon and she'll be on the internet and, you know, you can hang out with Courtney anywhere that you want to. Um, <laughs> except, you know, apparently in Louisiana because it's snowbound. Um, yes, I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully if it clears before April, she'll be at BiteCon. <laughs> Fingers crossed, guys. Fingers crossed. Uh, but, yeah, um, so thanks to everyone and bye, I guess. with the Japanese. I can't do this. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just going to say Oto or Sue. I have no idea. But anyway, um, it's it's sort of like a back... Karen, hang on. It's, um... It's... Yeah, can you just repeat that? Really? You want me to flail over this again (laughs) and just... Hang on, it's just it's really. It's got a bunch of feedback. Just, just go from. Just say what like it looks like or what it represents. Like you, the O2. Just yeah, sorry, you have to do it again. It was really it <laughs> broke up and it had a big gap in the middle of it. So yeah. Do I sorry. sound okay now? Yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs>